Hello, listeners of Tag Talks Business. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Tony Di Silvestro, the founder and owner of Why Not Italian. Uh, for those locals, uh, what we all used to know is Why Not Pizza, um, our old stomping grounds down on uh, Great Neck Road. So, Tony, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Excited to be here today. So we were just talking, you, uh, you started the first Why Not in uh, 1993, and I know the backstory a little bit, but can you, uh, can you explain the, the uh, reason behind the name, um, which seems so obvious, but I, I looked at it for years and never put the two and two together. Yeah, my, um, you know, I was a young kid in first grade and I spelled my name backwards. I didn't really know why I did it or how I did it, but um, I spelled my name backwards on a paper. I brought it home. My mother was like, what the heck is why not? And, um, <laughs> and that started from there and they called me why not ever since. And I've had a couple of teachers since then tell me it's called mirroring and children see backwards and they can actually write backwards when they're young. Wow. My dad will wow. like to tell you I'm dyslexic, but um, I'm definitely not <laughs> dyslexic. So. Well, it makes for a great name, and and I know at least in the the seven five seven, it's become uh, it's become synonymous with uh, with great pizza and Italian food, and, and um, uh, we'll get into a little bit of the marketing, but it's it's almost hard to be a part of the community and not know about why not. So, um, so from that standpoint, can you give me a little bit of background? I mean, what was the catalyst for getting started in the the restaurant industry, specifically in, in pizza and Italian food? You know, for, for me, entrepreneurship started at a young age. At nine years old, I opened my own business. Um, I was on the Jersey Shore. So when you grow up where I did in South Jersey, it was four months of hurry and eight months of worry. So from a young kid, I learned what customer service was with young. I was selling. I went to a wholesale candy shop and bought a bunch of chocolate bars and bubble gum and went on the ocean front down at the beach. When people would come off the beach, I would sell them candy. And uh, so that was my first business at nine years old. Then I went into selling fruit and vegetables and then I went into selling pottery, wearing a sombrero, if you can believe it or not, a little Italian kid in Jersey. I had to wear a sombrero and a Mexican shawl. And, um, you know, so at, at 10 years old, I was working like 60 hours a week for $10 a week with my mom and my dad in their macrame shop. And But I was selling at a young age. So at 15 years old, um, one a guy I was working, I was working at a gas station and selling, uh, filling, pumping gas. And his pizza guy quit at the pizzeria and he's like, Hey, I need a pizza guy tonight. And that was history. So right. I made pizza for 10 years in Jersey and then moved here. And then I moved up by Manhattan for about six years, worked up there, very busy area for pizza and Italian food. And um, I was, I was blessed to be able to work for 20 different restaurants before I opened my own. So it gave me a, a huge advantage. Wow. So in 93, I came down here with my, my girlfriend at that point And, um, you know, we opened in June and we got married in October. And she wow. she's uh, named Cindy and, you know, we have a Cindy, a salad named after, which she's not necessarily proud of, but. <laughs> uh. Wow, and, and why uh, why Great Neck at the time? I mean, was it was it just simply because of where you all had settled or, or was there something about that area at the time that, that kind of stuck for you all? That was interesting. Um, I worked with a guy named Bill Holland from the Chamber yeah. And um, Bill was amazing. So I came down in 91 
And uh, I found, I did all this study, this study with him on traffic counts and population and income and doing my demographics. And heck, at 21 years old, I didn't know, I don't know how I knew what I did and uh, just surrounded myself with some great people and found the location at Great Neck. And actually there was nothing available. And um, so I was going back and forth to Jersey making pizza because I couldn't make enough money down here. And the landlord at Great Neck called me and said, hey, if you want this spot, you need to take it. And at that point I was 23 years old and I made a decision and I called my wife, Cindy now. And I said, Hey, we're going to move to Virginia beach and open a restaurant. And that was it. Nice. nice. Well, I know uh, my wife and I both went to school over that way. And, and um, when we came back, when we got married, um, uh, it's uh, you guys are kind of a mainstay for that great neck community. And, and it, it was, it's been great over the years to watch you grow. Um, so, I mean, the obvious response, I guess, for most people would have seen, okay, well, why did you grow? But you've been pretty strategic with that over the year. I mean, for a company that, that has, is, is so well known in the community, um, kind of how did, how have you used or set guidelines for where you put your restaurants within the, the Hampton Roads community? Um, you know, as far as the community, just really looking at demographics is the most important piece. And then looking at household incomes and I'd love to say I'm an entrepreneur that's never failed, but the failures have made me who I am today. Um, you know, just, it's truly just finding the right demographic, the right household income and, and the right demographic, obviously the soccer moms and families that are busy with kids and sports is a great market for us. Um, we'll typically lose people from 55 to 65 you know, around that 50 to 65, once their kids graduate, go to college, or they finish college, you know, their disposable income's higher. So, you know, we really look for that demographic from 25 to 50. It's a great demographic for us, but it's honestly knowing your demographics is what's key to being in business, you know, so, and we, we learned that from a very young business. Gotcha. Well, and I, I know, um, having worked over in the Greenbrier area, um, that Greenbrier location, um, I, I think you were as well known in that commu community for your, your beer selection as you were for, uh, for the food selection. Can you talk a little bit about how that kind of came about and, and what the catalyst was for developing such a, a strong uh, uh, reputation for that particular uh, beverage selection? Because like I said, I, there were guys I used to work with that, that would wait just for certain selections to come out. And, and we, we wouldn't even wait till the four o'clock. It was the lunchtime sprint to get down to your place. Well, this really comes down to my key point of being an entrepreneur is surrounding yourself with greatness. Uh, we had a uh, guy that worked for us for 23 years. He ended up being the first a franchisee with us in that location, but he had a crazy passion for beer. And he's like, hey, I want to put 25 taps in. And we, took the place next door and opened a big bar over there. And that's how it happened. But it really, it was a catalyst for like having just an amazing reputation in town at all of our locations for having unique beers and doing something a little different, but it's the one area where we truly give our bartenders a little bit of flexibility to have some fun and, you know, pick some cool beers. That's awesome. And, and you talked about the franchisee structure. How long have you been uh, managing the franchisees? Well, for, um, for 10 years now, we've been a franchise company at those four locations, but we're truly the franchisee and the franchisor. We own all of our locations locally. Okay. So right now we wear both hats, but in the next four weeks, we'll start uh, marketing Richmond. And um, we'll actually, 
which one will be a true franchisee system for us. Wow, that's great. Um, lo locally, I wanted to own everything to be yeah. able to control it. Yeah, wow. Well, there are definitely enough people from the Richmond area that know, know who we are down here in the brand. So it's no exciting, exciting to see that uh, happening up north. The, um, so as you uh, transitioned over the last several years, uh, I mentioned a little bit of, at the beginning about uh, changing the name from Why Not Pizza to Why Not Italian. Um, seems like an obvious reason behind it, but can you talk about a little bit about how that transition came about and, and did it really make a difference as far as your actual menu items or was it more just communicating uh, your product and service to, to those who may not have already been aware of your full menu? So it's kind of interesting, you know, where we're from up in Jersey, if you have a pizzeria, everybody knows you have Italian food. So when I first opened up down here, I wasn't thinking that way. I just said, okay, we're going to be why not pizza. And then all of a sudden we have all this Italian food and customers are coming in. So, oh my God, you have Italian food. I'm like, what do you mean we have Italian food? <laughs> of course we have Italian food. So it really went from, then brand actually went from why not pizza and Italian cuisine and from why not pizza to why not pizza and Italian cuisine. Now finally to a why not Italian. When we opened up a location in Lansdowne, we were kind of forced to not have pizza on our name because there was another pizzeria in the shopping center. So at that point, we just said, heck, we're just going to go, why not Italian? And it's really relevant. I mean, down here, you know, it's the opposite. If you have an Italian restaurant, they assume you have pizza. Up in Jersey, if you have why not pizza, they assume you have Italian food. So yeah. it's just it play on words. But it's so critical when you open a business to make sure that your name represents who you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and from that standpoint, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and or uh people from within the hospitality industry that are very good at what they're doing. Um, but it's one thing to know how to run a business. It's one thing to know a particular service or product. It's another thing to really have a clear understanding of, of how to market it. And, and to your credit, uh, you all have always been very strong marketers within the Hampton Roads community. Um, can you talk a little bit about, was that something that you developed over the years? Was that something that, that you reached out and, and used? Uh, professional services to help with or was it a combination of both um it all started from the beginning in grassroots i mean so in the beginning we start sponsoring all the teams and this is just out of the great neck location we had advo this was this mailer and then i surrounded myself it just i guess the fact is we weren't afraid to market and i and when i coach entrepreneurship i'm constantly talking to people about if you can't afford to market you can't afford to be in business and marketing, the, the, when I teach entrepreneurship as well, the first thing I do is make sure that people know the three pillars of their company and making sure they understand what their brand is because then it makes marketing easy. Gotcha, gotcha. And the, uh, you've been really involved with Old Dominion University over the years. Um, anybody who, who's ever attended a, a sporting event, oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that you can buy a ticket without one. <laughs> yeah, you was can. that something that there was a connection there to you or was it just simply one where you recognized that, that hey, this is a great opportunity to be in front of a, a great demographic yeah. for us? Well, we started out with the sports teams, you know, so we were really heavily involved with ODU sports. And yeah. then when the contract came up, it used to be Cox Ticks. And then when the contract came up, they asked us if we wanted to sponsor that and we decided to do it. And now we sell pizza in every venue they have and it's worked out really well. Just a great yeah. partnership. They're a great alliance with us and really cool. That's awesome. The, um, 
So we talked a little bit about the community outreach, but can you talk about some of the uh, the outreach that you do within the community, um, both from a marketing standpoint, but also just purely through community outreach? Sure. So, you know, our business, um, I'm not in the food business at all, and it surprises a lot of people when I say that, but I'm in the customer service business and the people business. So, you know, if you're not involved in the people and the community you surround yourself with, then I don't think you're doing anything. Um, and for us, it's just been one of our three pillars of our entire career, you know, where it's family, quality, and community for us. So community is 33% of my brand and my mission. So anytime, whether it was a tragedy in Virginia Beach or the pandemic or having now, we've fed over 63,000 people already since the pandemic has started. Um, so it's really who we are as a brand. And then we sponsor over 70 schools and 10,000 little league players and 8,000 soccer players. And so our, our brand is just built that way. And, you know, we just believed it from day one. And somebody asked me, like, when we were donating to this uh, coronavirus, they were saying, why, why are you doing this? I said, well, it just feels normal. It's what we've done forever. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's who we are. Well, and th that brings up a great question because I know for those of us who, with marketing backgrounds, um, and I was lucky enough to work with someone uh, in my previous company that, that really believed in, in community outreach and support like you talk about. Um, and, and really, in many cases, spending more money on sponsorships and outreach than really worrying about TV, radio, or, or, or newspaper advertising. But at the same token, um, it also means that, that there are a lot of people out there that are coming to you because they see that you support a, a sports team or a little league team or somebody's that. So how, how over the years do you kind of figure out who to help and who not to help? Because obviously you guys do a tremendous amount of outreach, but at some point you can't do it for everybody. So how do you, how have you kind of used a, a guideline to help figure out, okay, this is who we can afford to support. And, and these are the ones that maybe we can't. I mean, it is, it is tough because you'll get every, uh, like, golf tournament, everything out there. It's really tough. But as long as it's relative to our brand or close proximity to our brand or, you know, we cut out some of the bigger, um, the bigger you know, national charities and, and really hyper-focused on local, you know. So, and really giving back to schools or whether it was, like, we do um, – multiple cancers and stuff like that, but it was breast cancer, but it was a local outfit for breast cancer. And then pancreatic cancer was one of my good friends. His mother died of pancreatic cancer. So we sponsored the local pan pancreatic cancer. And then my grandmother had immaculate degeneration. So we do fighting blindness. We do that huge campaign for them. And as long as it's relative to our brand and what we do, like CHKD, my kids were at CHKD. My um, brother's, um, my nephew, my niece's um, son just got out of CHKD. So you know, they do an amazing job. So it's really when it becomes relevant to our brand, we're, something we can be passionate about is what we do. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, that's a great word for it with the passion because if, if there isn't that passion behind it, it, um, it doesn't have nearly the meaning it, it would otherwise. No. Um, the, uh, as far as your... Um, you were talking about the COVID and, and responding to that. Uh, you guys have done a tremendous job as far as the community outreach, but can you talk a little bit about how, how you as an owner have, have managed 
your way through this and have there been any lessons learned either in the past or those that you've been learning as this process have gone along that, that you've been able to use when you've reached out to those people that you mentor as far as kind of some best practices during a time like this? You know, I always look at it, everything's a, a problem is an opportunity. And so if you ask any one of my staff members, you know, we're constantly, you ask them what is a problem, they'll tell you it's an opportunity. So I've always, my glass has always been half full, no matter how much adversity I'm facing. I, I don't know if it's part of being an entrepreneur and risk adverse, but um, I think when, when you hit a situation like this, the first thought I have was we called the church across the street and say, hey, how can we help? I didn't put my head in the sand and said, I said, what are we doing to make a difference? And you know what, it carried over to my staff and the staff has just been blown away, been unbelievable, looking to help themselves. And the attitude in my stores, the culture has been amazing. So my staff's been very positive and we're fighting our way through it. And then, you know, we're, we were down the same way. We we're down 50, 60% in sales. And at least we we're able to be open. We were fortunate, but we found a way. And there's a lot of restaurants that don't deliver that found a way to stay open. And yeah. I applaud them. You know, whether it be curbside, they were serving margaritas out on the street. Bay Local was doing a phenomenal job. Um, just really cool to see these people keeping their employees employed and, and doing that. And, you know, I understand there's some businesses that can't stay open. You know, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, even like some of your high-end steakhouses, it, there's, it's so impossible to do takeout with steak food. Steak yeah. and, so I, I, don't, I don't look at them any different way for closing, but I understand it. But if you have an opportunity to make a difference and do that. But I think for other businesses is try and stay positive and look for different ways. Um, I'm mentoring a lot of people that had like brick and mortar businesses and I've coached multiple businesses to go, you know, digital and e-commerce and it's like crazy. Now they're looking at it like they have two different businesses going and they're going to come out of this better than they ever did. Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing how, how people, this really forces people and businesses, entrepreneurs to pivot in a way that, that, even if they knew it was an option, they may have kind of allowed it to kind of stay off to the side. And right. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm not 100% certain. Sometimes this can be that that thorn in the thorn in the side that finally decides, okay, I gotta I gotta make the move forward. So, and being in the in hospitality and in the food service, uh, and I'd love to get your feedback as far as the response you've gotten from your customers. Because uh, oh. the one thing in talking to a lot of the those that are in the industry uh, that has been so incredible to hear had been the responses that the restaurants themselves have gotten from the people they serve and and the level of awareness and, and respect and, and appreciation that the customers have shown to the restaurants. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, the amount, just the amount of tipping that's going on and people taking care of my staff and, you know, we're so out in the public right now, giving back and my servers, my wait staff for the first three weeks, were out there delivering this philanthropy work and coming back crying and, and just being blown away. And then now to see the customers, I have customers now bringing me their incentive checks and say, you guys are doing such amazing things out in the community. Can you please help us? Um, MEV Construction gave us a huge donation and just threw it out there to us and to keep, they just said, just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing awesome stuff. And, you know, the, the first week, the incentive checks, people are like, we don't need this money, please. You guys are doing great things. And it's just been um, unreal. And, you know, when you start giving back, it's infectious, you know, and that's what I was hoping for. And I said in a lot of interviews I did, I said, if anybody can do it, you need to do it because it'll be one of the best things you ever do in your life. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, before we wrap up, uh, 
Can you uh, make sure we let the, the uh, listeners of Tag Talks, for those who, uh, who may not be aware of you, though I'm not quite sure how, uh, <laughs> how do they reach you? How do they find you? Um, if there are any opportunities to, to, uh, to give back, uh, maybe how they can connect with you that way. And they can always call me at the Great Neck location on there as well. I'm also on the Why and Entrepreneurship is a little thing I've helped to help small businesses out. So they can look me up on Instagram and there I'm on Why and Entrepreneurship. So um, I'm all about helping other small businesses get through some tough times. And, you know, if I can help them with cash flow or different ways to improve their businesses. But, you know, I'm always at the restaurant. You can find me at Great Neck five nights a week. So, I mean, I love what I do and I'm in my business. So. That's great. And for those who, uh, who after listening to this, are going to have a craving for either pizza or some good Italian, uh, other than Great Neck, what other locations do you have? I have Great Neck, Kempsville, Lanstown, Greenbrier, Great Bridge, and Ghent. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, and then for those listening, maybe from outside the area, uh, we're talking Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk, the 757. So um, anybody looking to come down this way soon? Uh, check check out Why Not Italian in, in the 757. So, Tony, thank you again for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to talk with me, talk with those that, that join us on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me.